I did I did try. I got into game shops and uh, bribed people with candy to to try my my prototype, uh, which worked pretty well. I was giving away Reese's cups, so you know. Um, Who's going to say no to that? Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald. My chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And today's guest, I am joined by Peter McPherson, the designer of Tiny Towns. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Jack. Yeah, well, let's dive right into it because Tiny Towns is a brilliant game. I was really excited to be able to talk to you about this and it was just like an excellent debut when did you start working on it and like what was the inspiration for it well i started working on it uh the idea really came to me when i had this really boring desk job uh proofreading financial newsletters Ooh. so uh yeah it was, it was dry stuff and uh the idea popped into my head you know the main idea of uh players having to deal with other players choices on their turns with the way resources are are chosen in tiny towns and then the the construction system of the building patterns glomming down into one space. Um, and I think that idea came from a couple different places. The first one is this game that I play with my dad when we're waiting for food or restaurants or something. We both make a five by five grid on our napkin and then take turns naming letters. And whatever letter the other player names, both players have to put into their grid and you're trying to make as many words as possible. So if you can manage to use a really awkward letter like J or something, there's a good chance you'll throw your opponent off. And so I wanted a, a board game that used that same mechanic of the players are choosing the resources that everyone has to deal with. Um, and then the the building mechanic, I think, came from somewhere between the app 2048. It was the first app I played that had that glomming mechanism of like things merging into into one. And it was just with numbers. So two twos next to each other can glom to become a four, which becomes an eight all the way up to the coveted 2048 tile. And as soon as I first played that, something clicked in my head and I was like, ooh, this is really satisfying. And then I also think Minecraft was an inspiration with the different uh, recipes for crafting the items in the game. Um, I remember playing Minecraft way back when and thinking this, this could work in a board game somehow, this idea of having dozens or more different recipes for items. I think that's really interesting what you were mentioning about your dad and you going out to lunch. One, because of the activity that you were doing, but also that's kind of interesting and kind of paints a picture. Do you do that? Do working lunches with your dad often or just kind of hang out on a fairly regular basis? Yeah, when I can. We're both local to each other and he's a full-time cartoonist. So, uh, And I'm a freelance writer, so we both have schedules that are pretty much up to us. Um, so I, I try to work nine to five when I can to match up with my fiance's schedule. Um, but yeah, so we we do working lunches and, and stuff like that when we can. Yep. Do you pick up the tab? Does he? Do you split it? Um, we usually split it, but if we go to dinner, he usually he usually picks up the tab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think that ever ends. You know, this is a little bit of an aside, but like my dad and I, especially when I lived in Anchorage, uh, Alaska, and he was working at the same time, he's retired now, but... Uh, we would go out to lunch. We made it a point every week. And I felt guiltier and guiltier as I got older and older because he was like, it's the father's responsibility to pay for the lunch. Or, you know, he had some like adamant, I have to be the person to take care of this. And so it's a treasured memory of mine, but also like a constant sense of defeat that like one day I will be meeting him halfway on these things. So have you always wanted to be a game designer? Like, obviously, this sounds like you were thinking a lot about game design. 
So how long have you been working on this stuff? I wouldn't say I've, I've always wanted to. Uh, I think my earliest creative dream was probably second or third grade. I decided I was going to be an author someday, and I still do creative writing when I can. What were the books that made you want to be an author? I read a lot of Avi when I was younger. I don't know if you're familiar with the children's author Avi. Yeah, Poppy was one of my favorite books, the whole Dimwood Forest series, stuff like that. And uh, like Gary Paulson, stuff like that. So I read a lot of fantasy when I was younger, and then I sort of had a, a dry spell in, in high school and college, and now I'm back into fantasy reading and absolutely loving it. So I'd love to be a fantasy author someday if I can. Um, and as for game design stuff, it was in high school that I really got back into playing games. My family is full of of gamers, um, and most family gatherings were playing something, whether it's a sequence or cribbage or a choir or something like that. Um, so a choir was probably my first introduction into like semi-modern board games. And then in high school, my friends and I found a copy of Carcassonne in my basement somehow, huh. just sitting on a shelf <laughs> and looked interesting. So we pulled it off, learned the rules, and we were instantly hooked. And then from there, we made the quick jump to Catan, which took us a little while longer to get into. But then Catan was like all we did over and over, just four games a night. It was fantastic. So um and then I carried that tradition on into into college and used board games as an easy way to to make new friends and hang out with people. And college was when I really started jotting down a lot of game ideas. And I would get as far as making a prototype and then wouldn't get around to playtesting it. I did manage to playtest a couple of prototypes in college, but it was after college that I really started focusing on, on playtesting and iterating designs. So, but all my designs before Tiny Towns were pretty terrible, I think. <laughs> I think that's a rite of passage. Everyone has to go through that, man. I've talked to so many yep. people and they're like, man, you should see the earliest designs that I had. They were awful. But yeah. you managed to have a debut that was like killer. Like as far as that first game, it wasn't like, eh, it was a mediocrely received game. Like Tiny Towns is kind of a critical darling. It's a big success. AEG is making a big push on it. What was the kind of pitch meeting for AEG? Did they scout you out? Did you pitch it to them? How did you get tied up with Alderac? Uh, thanks for the, the praise, first of all. Um, I, uh, I reached out to them on my way to PAX Unplugged 2017, which was my first game convention, my first... Uh, my first run at pitching to publishers. So I pitched to them and about four other publishers and I approached each of them, however they preferred to be approached, whether they had a submission form on their site or whether I just found a contact email. Um, and so I had a half hour pitch meeting with them, which you, you know, tiny towns and you know that you can easily play a quick game in, in half an hour, especially because this was the days when monuments were a part of the game at that point. So it was a little bit simpler. Um, so I gave them the quick elevator pitch and then we got right into playing and they, uh, they liked it quite a bit. I remember, uh, calling my, uh, then girlfriend, now fiance shortly after that meeting and just saying, I think this went really well. And AEG was my, my long shot of the companies I pitched to. They were the one I, I most wanted to work with, but I thought I had the, the worst chances just cause they're a big company and, um, you know, it was intimidating. So, but it was a couple of weeks after that, that they got back to me and said, Hey, we really enjoyed tiny towns and, uh, we'd like to offer you a contract. So 
And then from there, it was probably about nine months of development with Josh Wood, who's the designer of Cat Lady. And um, yeah, that's pretty much the story of how Tiny Towns came to be. Man, that's an amazing story. And, you know, how it got on my radar was that AEG, which is a company that I've long had an affection for because I was a really avid Legend of the Five Rings player when AEG was a very different company. But mm-hmm. they always were very uh, directly involved with the communities of any games that they were playing. And so I've always paid particular attention to any project that they have. And I've always thought of them as a very thoughtful company. Like they, they didn't make decisions on a whim. Like they actually thought about, you know, who do we want to support? How is this going to be received by the community? How can we build a community around it? Like it genuinely seemed like, a a very tough decision for them when they let go of Legend of the Five Rings and Fantasy Flight ended up picking it up. Anyway, they did a blog post maybe, I don't know, six months ago or so, where they were talking about how they want to focus on more quality games and less of quantity of games. And it was such a earnest and, and, and just front-facing post all about like the kind of company that they want to be, that they aspire to be, even though they have a really long history within the gaming industry, and how they wanted to particularly focus on the these games that they really believe in and not have just a, a spaghetti-on-the-wall technique of just seeing whatever works. Sure, they're all good games, but are they great games? And it was through that article that I saw Tiny Towns first because they were like, this is one of our pillar releases this year. And instead of having 15 games coming out this year, we have like four. And we truly believe like this is a game changer of a game. I was like, man, okay, I'm listening. If AEG is saying that, then I got to pay attention. And I ended up getting the game as a review copy through them. And I loved it. (laughs) It was such a... A wonderful experience. So, one, congratulations on getting your your long shot uh, hope when you were doing those pitch meetings. And two, like that that's so awesome that you've now developed this relationship, which I hope is going to be a, a long term thing with AEG, at least through expansions and upcoming content for Tiny Towns, or maybe special consideration as one of the designers for a game that they'd like to see in the future. But I want to talk about the design of the game for a little bit, because in this game, for those who aren't familiar with it, which if you're not familiar with it, you should be, (laughs) there are two multiplayer modes, right? There's the master builder where everyone gets to take turns with this cute little hammer, and then you get to declare a resource that everyone has to put onto their board. This is kind of what you were describing with your dad earlier. Mm -hmm. Then there's an alternative mode where you get to use cards. This is the town hall variant, I want to say. Yep. And you use cards that dictate what everyone puts on the board, and then every third cube, each player individually gets to choose what cube they utilize. This dramatically changes the game, and I have a vast preference for the first, the Master Builder. But I was surprised to discover that through my review, the opinions on this are pretty split. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of people that do not like the Master Builder mode and will exclusively play with the Town Hall variant. Was that apparent to you early on, or was that something that came out of the 
late stage development with AEG uh-huh. that you thought, man, maybe we should have some dedicated components that kind of changes the nature of this game? Well, town hall mode was not a part of the design early on. So that was something that came in around midway through development um, with AEG. And I'm not positive whether it was Josh Wood's idea, whether that came from um, from other folks at AEG, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't my idea, and I wasn't uh, opposed to it by any means. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Master Builder has always been, you know, the the intended experience in my mind. Um, and I think, I mean, I'm really happy we put both into the game. We were a little nervous just because. Sometimes I think when a game offers too many variants, it can be a little overwhelming. And then you take a game out at game night and people argue like, you know, oh, we have to play this way, you know, especially when it's like a game with a drafting opening, like, oh, we have to do the draft. And there's people like, no, no, let's just deal with whatever we get and get playing now. Um, it can lead to arguments and then it can put people off from wanting to play the game, period. But um, I did feel that we had to sort of firmly state in the rule book, this is this is the main mode. Um, cause we almost went with writing it so that both modes were sort of weighted equally. Um, but I really wanted master builder to be the primary mode. I think that is an incredibly important decision. And I fully agree with you because I think making it divergent as you're going through the rule book, instead of one being the intended mode and the other being a variant would do exactly what you were worried about. It would confuse the audience. It would make it a little bit mm-hmm. murkier and it would be harder for you to convey your vision of like, what is this game supposed to be at its best and what is an accommodation if you have the game and want it to be kind of different than that. Right. And I, I mean, I think it's awesome that the, the fan seems to be pretty much split on uh town hall versus master builder. I think there was a poll on BGG recently and it was like 60, 40 master builder to, to town hall, which is pretty close. I was surprised it was that close, honestly. Um, but I mean, it makes me really happy that, that people enjoy this other way to play just as much and that there are groups that want to be a little less confrontational because Master Builder can be um, not cutthroat except maybe in two player games, but it can be a little, you know, it can be a little more uh, aggressive feeling from time to time. So I'm really glad people enjoy both modes. And I think. You know, of course, with any game, you should always play whatever way you want to play, even if it's not in the rules. But I'm glad that people enjoy that variant equally. In fact, when Josh Wood and I are playtesting over Skype, we usually we used to do Master Builder mode for the longest time because it's just so quick and snappy and easy. Um, but then lately, we've started doing Town Hall a lot more because it's probably a more accurate simulation of your average game of Tiny Towns with three or four players. Um, so because when we play two player, we've we've probably played 150, 200 games with each other at this point. We play aggressive, you know, we'll say blue four times in a row to drive the other person nuts. And that's just not, that's just not your average representation of a tiny towns game at this point. So playing with the deck is a little more, gives us a more normal look at, at how the game should be playing with whatever buildings or, or other things we're testing. Speaking of buildings, do you have a favorite building? Favorite building. Um, I think I've got a few favorites. I really like the almshouse. So almshouse is one of the green buildings where it scores a positive score as long as you have an even number of them, just because I love that high risk uh, and high reward aspect of it. So it goes, um, you know, negative one if you have one and then positive five if you have two all the way up to positive 26. And that moment when you're 
you've got four almshouses and you're like, if everything comes out just right, I can squeeze in two more for the huge 26. Um, and I think it's fun whether you go bust or, or go big. So that's one of them. Um, I also really enjoy bank, which is probably a fan least favorite there there are a few threads on bgg saying why would anyone make bank and i understand where the sentiment comes from but bank is the 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 black building where when you make it you get four points straight up and then you have to put a cube in it that you can no longer name as master builder or choose on your free turn in town hall mode um and i think it's always easy to make one bank and it's an easy four points two banks is a little tricky um but I, I find that it's always worthwhile, um, even if you end up being the last player in and then still can't name those resources. So those are probably my two favorites. One of the things that I find the most interesting about this game, and it's something that's shared by Sagrada, actually, and I don't know if it was an intended aspect of the game, like a feeling that you wanted players to have, or if it was just a happy consequence, but what I really love is that there's a sense of ensnaring yourself, like a noose is tightening as you're playing, and there becomes a desperation as you realize, I am running out of space. Like, my my palette in which I can create this marvelous town initially feels like it's never-ending. You can create so much stuff, and you just are chaining things, but by about mid-game, it becomes a situation where you're just looking at the board going, oh no, Oh no, what what have I wrought? What position did I put myself in? Did you actually think about what players would feel while playing the game? Or were you designing strictly based off of what you thought were interesting mechanical elements? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I did think about player experience, mostly because my favorite types of games, I've, I've really got two favorite types of games. Games where you create something that you get to admire at the end, and games where midway through you say, oh no, I've made several terrible mistakes. And so I wanted both of those things to be in one. Um, and I, I love games where you say, where you have an oh no moment. It's just my favorite thing. I find it even more gratifying when I make a mistake than like when I have a satisfying engine going in, in a deck builder or something. Um, there's something about that, but it. I like games where you see exactly what the mistake was and you know that it was your fault. I don't like when I don't do well in a game and I can't really point to where in the mess of things everything went wrong. Um, I love a game where I can point and I can say, there, that yellow cube was an incorrect placement and it ruined everything. Because then I know next time I play, uh, I can avoid that. And then I don't, and then I mess up anyway, and I still mess up all the time in Tiny Towns. Uh, One of my favorite games is Galaxy Trucker, which I think epitomizes you made a mistake right here. So uh, for those who aren't familiar, you're, you're building a spaceship and everything has to connect just right. And you need pretty much an equal number of engines and lasers and shields and cargo and cabins and so many things. It's a lot to think about. Um, and at the end of each round, the players have to check each other's boards to see if you made any mistakes. And that moment when your friend is like, dude, you made a big goof over here. You're going to have to like decide which half of your ship. And it's so your fault. And, and you can see there is the mistake. That one tile is causing me to lose half of my ship. And it's just my favorite thing ever, especially when it's happening to me. So, And, um, and what's even cooler about that, to take it aside about Galaxy Trucker, to me, is that you're making conscious decisions about how to build your ship. And sometimes you're like, oh, I... I got to take a risk in building it this way, which may be totally valid as far as a structure for your initial starting ship, but maybe a vulnerability 
in the event that you get shot at during the the course of the the trip or expedition or whatever the the phase is called where you're flipping mm-hmm. cards and everyone has to suffer and if you make a critical vulnerability that really gets targeted you can end up losing half your ship anyway but you know you made that decision early on in your desperation to account for other things you're like yeah this is a calculated risk and right. i i love that feeling that you had agency all along and then all the things that you were doing but at the same time you're having to suffer the consequences that you might not have fully been able to anticipate but you can realize where everything went wrong about five turns ago and that's exactly the kind of thing that i'm talking about that's awesome in tiny towns cool yeah that's that's pretty much what i was going for so high player agency and and plenty of opportunities for mistakes everywhere (laughs) well a cool aspect of tiny towns is that the buildings themselves are proxies. They're almost like variables in math where X equals something different every game. You may have a singular gray circle that may be a well or a fountain or whatever based off of the card that's assigned to it during the course of that game. And I was thinking that that is a brilliant decision because it makes the idea of expansions, very, very easy to think about. Like you can start dreaming up all sorts of cards, which I imagine that fans out there have started coming up with all sorts of fan created variants or cards that can be integrated. But you actually announced an expansion or you and AEG. So tell us about what you can in regards to the hmm. expansion to Tiny Towns. Sure. So the expansion is called Tiny Towns Fortune. Uh, it comes out at some point. At some point. about <laughs> release yet. Um, and one thing a lot of people will probably notice is that there's someone else's name on the box. Uh, it's it's Peter McPherson and Josh Wood on the box there. So Josh Wood, I said before, was the developer of Tiny Towns. He's also the designer of Cat Lady. Um, and he was a huge part in all the development of Tiny Towns. He helped me come up with... We basically doubled the amount of buildings in the game together. Um, and then uh, just picked our absolute favorite minds we really thought needed to be in there so he helped a ton with balancing and figuring out this these are the sets of buildings we're going to include and i started working on expansion ideas and i have a few i have a handful of expansion ideas going on in my head and it didn't take me very long at all to realize it would be weird for me to design this expansion with zero input from from josh until i'm done and it's ready for development um, which is far from done, but still. Uh, so I just I just called him and I was like, hey man, do you want to be co-designer on this? Because it would be really weird to, to make this entirely on my own. Um, to which he said, absolutely. And we're going to co-design all the expansions and I'm so excited to continue working with him uh, on Tiny Towns until people have had their Tiny Towns fill. Um, so what I can say about the expansion is that there will be more building cards. As you said, it's pretty easy just to here's some more building cards to throw in the mix and shuffle in. Um, and then it's going to encourage players to do something unusual that the base game doesn't, which is you're very much incentivized to make two buildings at once, to, to construct two buildings in a single turn. Um, and that's about all I can share, but it's going to... Uh, it's going to be tricky for a lot of players, I think. I think I'm just going to imagine it until I know otherwise as like some sort of Voltron-esque expansion where the buildings combine into one mighty universe-defending <laughs> building. You mentioned that it's tricky. 
And that was one of the things that I mentioned in my review is that if I were to caution this game to anyone, it's that if you have a difficult time with spatial reasoning, that this would be a specifically difficult game for you. Like it, it, it does rely on your ability to conceptualize space relation to one another to be able to orient things in your mind was that something that you thought about over the course of the game like this may not be as accessible of a game as i want to people who struggle with kind of visualizing things mentally uh well i think for people who don't like spatial games you're just not gonna enjoy and that's okay stuff. yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, it's hard to design a game for everyone. I mean, I hope that the the theme of the game and the simplicity of the rules give it broad appeal. Um, I've seen lots of really young kids uh, really grasp the spatial puzzle of Tiny Towns. But for some people who have trouble with spatial reasoning, it's going to be a pretty tough time and possibly a pretty frustrating time for you. So, But I do also think it's very possible to get better at Tiny Towns. Uh, I know a few people who who say, yeah, spatial reasoning is just not one of my strong suits and struggled a lot with Tiny Towns early on, but they've gotten better. Um, you know, they've gotten better at rotating the shapes in their mind and at, at planning a couple turns ahead. So I do hope there's, there's room to learn, but uh, it is a very spatial game for sure. You know, I could talk to you about all kinds of stuff. I could talk to you way more about Tiny Towns. I could try to wedge expansion information out of you but instead i want to end this with a little bit more about you as a designer and your recent success with tiny towns so over the course of say the last two years in which i imagine you've been designing and developing and working on other prototypes and that kind of stuff you've hit the big time pretty quickly so did you have any really hard-earned lessons that you wish you could have let yourself know two years ago that would have saved you so much time or, or been so helpful for young Peter? <laughs> um, I think I wish I had found a, a design community sooner. I have an awesome local design group that existed two years ago, but I didn't. I wasn't looking hard enough, and I hadn't found them yet. So I wish I'd done more to put myself out there and really try to find local uh, game designers and play testers to connect with because I think the whole community both on the small scale of your local play testers and the big scale of designers across the globe um, the community is so friendly and so collaborative and putting your ideas out there is only going to protect them really I was very cautious overly so with my you know my idea initially um, but I think the more you collaborate with others, the more you're going to learn, the more connections you're going to make, the more friendships you're going to make. Um, and I did I did try. I got into game shops and uh, bribed people with candy to, to try my, my prototype, uh, which worked pretty well. I was giving away Reese's Cups, so, you know. Um, Who's going to say no to that? Right, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I wish I had made more of an effort to join online communities and local communities. Uh, not everyone is lucky enough to have a local playtest group. Um, but if that's the case, then I would say to do your best to, to try to form one and just put shout outs on the BGG forums or, or on Meetup or something and see if there's anyone else in your area who might have the same interest as you, because chances, chances are there are going to be a few of those people. Um, yeah, I think connecting with other designers is is one of the most viable things uh, a game designer can do. 
And how about successes? Like, what are some of the high points after the 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 response to Tiny Towns? I mean, Gen Con just wrapped up, and I was reading your Twitter, and there was some massive game event that you were hosting or participating in. Tell me about what that was, and if there are any other, like, recent highlights, things that you think will be defining memories for you going forward as a game designer? Uh, there were a lot of memories at Gen Con, for sure. This was my first Gen Con, so it was overwhelming in all the best ways. And that particular game, that was at AEG's Big Game Night, which they do every year, um, which uh, is also timed with the release of two or three smaller games of theirs. Um, this year was Point Salad, Curios, and Walking in Burano. Um, all of which, well, I've played two of them. Curios and Point Salad are awesome games. Need to play Walking Burano still. Uh, but the first thing we did was we played that giant game of Tiny Towns with 1,000 people, which is just, I never would have imagined that would be happening. Uh, I got to be the mayor and then hold up the resource cards and uh, listen to the crowd collectively groan or cheer when a resource came up. It was absolutely surreal, um, and I had a great time doing it. So that was pretty fantastic. Uh, another cool moment was when I was uh, in the middle of demoing and then a group of people came by and I realized, oh my gosh, all these people came by my local game store, Zombie Planet, when we did a little Tiny Towns release event, you know, a few months ago. And they're here at Gen Con all together and, and came to say hi. And that was just really cool. I actually ran into a few local people who had played Tiny Towns at various stages of development and playtesting. Um, and that was neat to see some familiar faces there. Um I think my one of my favorite moments from Gen Con was when I was playing with a family that had two younger kids, I would say a boy and girl, probably like six and seven, maybe seven and eight. And uh, this gentleman was watching them play and saw them having a good time. Then he went to the AG booth, picked up a copy of Tiny Towns, which I signed for him. And then he asked the kids what their names were and said, here you go. This is This is your copy. And the kids were just overjoyed and the parents were overjoyed. Um, and he said that he does this little pay it forward thing every year at, at Gen Con and gives a copy of a game away to a family that looks like they're having fun. So uh, that was really cool. And it just, uh, I don't know, it was a really heartwarming moment. So um, it's been it's been really, really weird, this this whole thing. It's, it's all, I'm still absorbing all of it, but it's been, um, it's been a ton of fun. And I hope the industry is at a point, and I think the industry is at a point where more and more people can continue getting into the industry and getting their designs out there because uh it's really something just to just to see so many people playing my game and know people are are pulling my game out of game nights is is still the coolest thing to me well from gen con and indie all the way up to here in juno alaska i know that it's being enjoyed so surely it is being enjoyed <laughs> in every corner of the world you have done a marvelous job with this game, and I can't wait to see what comes next. Thanks for coming on to the show, Pete. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jack. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website, CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience-supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.